And I think like, like you said, you know, um, connection is the antidote to addiction, finding your group, finding your tribe when you're on the other side of it. Like when you're, when you haven't started yet, or you're in that place of shame, you just cannot imagine that there are people who really will get you. There are people who will really love you for exactly who you are and they will understand you and they will walk you through it because it's hard. Sorry, I'm getting emotional because it's really hard and you think you're alone, but you're not, you are not. There are millions of us. Welcome to the tribe. This is your weekly podcast from tribe sober, whether you're already sober, striving to be sober or just plain sober curious, you need a tribe. You need a tribe because it's so hard to do this alone. You need a tribe because you need support. And that's where we come in. Here at Tribe Sober, we've got your back. Here at Tribe Sober, we have people at all stages of the journey, all helping each other to stay on track. On this podcast, we've got recovery stories to inspire you, experts to inform you, and plenty of advice on how to ditch the drink and change your life. So here's your host, Tribe leader, Janet Gorond. Hello, hello, and welcome to the Tribe Sober podcast, episode 74. My name's Janet Goron. I'm the founder of Tribe Sober, and I'm your host for this podcast. Here at Tribe Sober, we help people to change their relationship with alcohol and then to go on and actually thrive in their alcohol-free lives. And over the last six years, we've helped hundreds of people to do just that. We created a tribe because we believe it's really, really hard to change your drinking habits alone. So at Tribe Sober, we're all about community. Each week, we feature a community voice just to give you a flavor of the awesomeness of our tribe. I think the turning point for me was I did the session with Lynette and I did the workshop. And suddenly it was like, uh, it's not a shame. It's not an embarrassment. Um, There is life after alcohol and it's going to be a better life. So I think the the challenge, the, the support made the difference for me. So if you want to join our tribe and connect with others on this path, just go to tribesober.com and hit join our tribe. There are plenty of sobriety groups and influencers on Instagram these days, and that's where I found this week's podcast guest. Debbie's from Kentucky, and she's known as Mocktail Mom because she hosts an awesome Instagram live session on Monday nights, which is called Making Friends and Mocktails, and that's exactly what she does during the session. She's got her own recovery journey to share with us, and like me, she's a breast cancer survivor. Dramatically reducing your risk of breast cancer is one of the benefits of sobriety we don't talk about much. So please have a listen to this conversation. It might just save your life. I began our conversation by asking Deb to introduce herself. Okay, well, thank you so much for having me. I am um, just so seriously so thrilled to be, be here with you today. I am Deb Podlogger. I live in Kentucky. I live outside Louisville, Kentucky. Did not grow up here. I grew up outside Philadelphia. I have two daughters. I have a 20-year-old who's in college. She's a sophomore in college. And then I have a 14-year-old who is from China. 
And um, I truly feel like I have two miracle girls in, in many ways. So, um, but I'm a mom and um, I'm married um, to my match.com sweetheart. So I've been married almost eight oh. years. Yes, match works, <laughs> online dating. <laughs> and then I'm, I've just been involved in business and I do logo stuff. And I've done that since before I could drive a car, pretty much. As a kid, I wanted to be a mom and I wanted to have a business from home. So I'm literally living my dream. Very thankful. Fantastic. So let's delve into your drinking story, shall we, Deb? Uh, yes. What age did you start drinking? I um I did not grow up a drinker. I did not. Um, I wasn't a partier in high school. I wasn't a partier in college at all. I went to a Bible college. It was not until about the time I was 40. It wasn't that I didn't drink before then. I just didn't care if I was drinking or not. But about the time that I you got were divorced, a normie, as we call those people. Yes. Okay, I like <laughs> you were that. a yes. normal drinker. I was a normie for years and years and years, and then um, went through some hard times, and that is kind of what just propelled me. And that was about at age forty um, that I started just using wine as a way to numb the pain of life. Yeah. So you were using it as a, a coping mechanism rather than anything social. Totally. Totally. I, Dr my girls would go to their dads for the weekend. Alone. Most yep. Yeah. Yep. Yeah. They would go to their dads for the weekend and Chardonnay became my new friend, became my new yeah. um, way to deal with, with things. So yeah, my, I was just going to say my daughter who's now 20 um, had been really sick when she was seven. And so she was in remission at that point and stuff. But I think just the stress and the trauma of, of her illness, I mean, she was really, really, really sick, her illness. Um, and then my divorce, it just was drinking, helped me numb the pain. So that happened, uh, you started uh, drinking more enthusiastically when you were 40. So how many years did that kind of drinking phase last for? A decade. I just turned 50 at the end of October. At the end of last year. So I guess maybe I would say almost a decade. So like nine years, because um, when I was 49, I was like, okay, I'm going to be 50 next year and I have to show up differently. I cannot show up the same way that I've been living the last 10 years or the last nine years. But it felt like a decade. <laughs> During that decade, uh, it's quite interesting that it's all in a decade. Um, was the dependence increasing? You know, did you find you needed more wine to hit the spot? Did it go from a glass to a bottle to a bottle and a half, etc.? Yep, absolutely. Uh, I would, yeah, and I could go out with friends and drink a glass or drink two glasses. But then in my mind, I was like, okay, when I get home, I have more at home. Um, I'll be yep. able to, you know, kind of make sure in my mind what I had at home and stuff. Um, but yes, it definitely increased. And by the end, it was like, by, by the end of my drinking career, I definitely was drinking way more than, than anybody knew, than I wanted to admit. I was so ashamed. I was so embarrassed about how much I was drinking and how I was hiding it. But yeah, it definitely increased a lot. Yeah, there is a lot of shame around drinking, isn't it? Especially for us women somehow. Um, right. So over these... 10 years. When did you start worrying and thinking, I've got to get a grip on this. I've got to either cut down or stop. Were you going through that thinking for, for years or was it just when you were 49, you thought enough, 
I've got to stop now. You know what's funny? I remember vividly when I, it was about the time I was 40 and I was talking on the phone. I'd moved to Kentucky. I was talking on the phone with a friend of mine from California. That's where we had lived before we moved here. And she and I were friends because both of our kids were really sick in the hospital. So we became friends on the pediatric oncology unit. And I will never forget being on the phone with her and saying to her, and I was going through my divorce and stuff and saying to her, I think I'm drinking too much. Cause I, I knew, like, I knew I was numbing out every night. I knew I was waking up with a headache every morning. I knew I was waking up at three in the morning with the dry mouth and the room was spinning, you know? And I remember her saying to me like, no, you know, like you, you don't have a problem. You, you don't have a problem. Like just, but I didn't even tell her how much I was drinking. I just knew how much I was drinking and that it was a problem. So yeah. it was early yeah. on in my, in my, my time that I already knew I had a problem. I knew there was something that wasn't right. Yeah. I always say to people, however much you're drinking, you know, it, it doesn't really matter if you're unhappy about your drinking, if it's on your mind, then, you know, do something and you'll feel so much more peaceful. Totally. Totally. No, you're exactly right. You're exactly right. Whether it's a little bit or it's a bottle and a half a night, it's yeah. if it's how you feel. Yeah. And I feel so much better since I've stopped. I can't believe how much better I feel. Yeah. And did you try to cut down, drink a little less? Did you go through that loop? Definitely was on the loop, was on the endless, you know, start, stop. I would do my, you know, 30 days to healthy living. So I would do my detox, retox loop. You know, I'd be on the, on the endless yeah. hamster wheel of trying to cut back or doing a healthy, healthy living challenge, um, trying to drink less. And I had many days where maybe I'd have a day or two or, you know, have a little bit of time um, and be successful of really cutting back or not drinking as much, but I would always go back. Now that you've uh, got almost a, a year of sobriety, I think, haven't you? Congratulations on that, Thank by you. the way. It's wonderful. Thank you. You'll know that just doing a month off alcohol, you don't really feel the benefits, do you? You have to keep it going. You have to keep it going longer. And after a year, I mean, you really start to feel amazing, I think. It's a shame with these short challenges, you know, I mean, we're coming up to dry January, aren't we? Um, because it's it's really hard for a start and you're just using willpower. And by the time you get to February, you just want to get back on the drinking train and almost make up for it. So your it's subconscious true. is kind of registering, oh, this dry month was terrible, you know, because you're not going long enough. And if you just keep going longer, then you'll get the benefits. And then those benefits in themselves will motivate you to keep going because that you know it's worth so it. That is so true. That yeah. is so true. Yeah. Because the beginning is hard. The beginning is so hard. And when oh. I kept, when I kept redoing the beginning, all I, all I stayed was in the beginning part of trying to, you know, not drink as much. So yeah, to be past so all that. you were doing, Debbie, is that you were doing the hardest bit over and over again, weren't you? And that's yes. exhausting. You it's know. exhausting. Exhausting. It's exhausting. And it makes you feel yeah. so defeated. Like I'm never going to be able to do this. I'm never going to break free from this. So yeah, yeah. being past and that. And then you yeah. feel bad about yourself. You think, oh, what's wrong with me? You know, I, I haven't got any willpower, but no. I don't know if you agree, but I believe it's more about mindset than willpower. You know, if if you, you see the world differently after you've been sober for a while, you realize you, it just brings nothing but trouble in your life. Before I stopped, you know, for the last time, I think I thought 
I was going to be missing it so much. All I could think about was what I was going to be missing. I was going to be missing my wine. It was, it was my habit. It had become my friend, you know, my companion when I was alone or when I wanted to have time alone and, um, don't miss anything about it. My life is so much better, so much no. better. I had no idea how much yeah. better it would be, but yeah, not dragging that yeah. shame boat around all day. It's a wonderful surprise, isn't right? It? I mean, literally, like I did, feel like I was driving a car, you know, with a trailer attached. And it was just the big shame, shame yeah. trailer, you know. And I detached it, and yeah. it's it's gone. I feel so much better. Yeah, a lady uh, the other day she said to me, "I feel like I was wearing when I was drinking. I was wearing a backpack full of rocks, and I've taken it off." And I thought that was a lovely analogy. That is a good analogy. You're listening to a podcast from Tribe Sober. So I wanted to ask you, Deb, uh, is your husband a drinker? Good question. He owns sports uh, bars. He owns sports bars. (laughs) Okay. But he is not a drinker at all. Like, at all. Interesting. Um, Yeah. Yeah. I mean, that's just the business he's been in since he was in college. So he could take it or leave it. Does not matter not a drinker at all. Like, I don't know the last time he'd had a, a beer in our house or if we'll go out, maybe he'll have a drink, but it's not even an issue. He doesn't drink. doesn't matter. Take it or leave it. So I appreciate that very much. Right. Did you yeah. confide in him about your concern? I didn't. I didn't. I was so mm-hmm. embarrassed that, that I was struggling internally with it so much. You know, I just, I didn't tell anybody. I didn't tell anybody, even when I, at the end of December last year, when I took a a challenge to do a three week break is what I wanted to do. I didn't even tell them. I just wanted to take, I thought I'm not going to be successful. I'm going to fail. This is what I thought in my mind. I thought there's no way, there's no way I can go three weeks without drinking wine. There's, but I'm going to try. So I didn't tell anybody because I thought if I tell people, then when they see me drinking wine again, you know. They're going to be like, see, we knew you couldn't do it. We knew Deb likes her wine. You know, I mean, even my kids got me, you know, like a little <laughs> bell, ring bell for wine, you know, all the like wine gifts and all that stuff. And yeah, yeah. So no, I didn't tell anybody. Yeah. It becomes part of our identity in the end, doesn't it? The, doesn't the it? wine drinking, I think. It does. It totally does. So what, sad. what was different this time? Uh, you had your kind of 50th birthday looming. Was that your big motivator or that was, was it just a challenge that carried on? It was definitely that I wanted to show up differently at my 50th birthday. I felt I'm not a person who struggles with depression. I felt so down about myself. I felt so, I don't know if you want to say the right, depressed, but I mean, I just felt so heavy and down and that is not my personality. And I was like, I cannot go on living like this this is not the person I know I am. Like I am not living the life that I know God created me to live. I was just off, very, very off track of who, of who I know I am. I'm just a happy, joyful person. And it was like, I had a heavy blanket over me. Good for you for having that insight, you know, because not everybody can see things quite so clearly. Okay, so 50th birthday coming, and then you dived into yet another challenge. <laughs> yes, yeah, <laughs> so yeah. Why exactly. did this one stick? Because I connected with other people who were also doing the challenge. So I wasn't just on my oh, own yeah. trying to, you know, like right. quietly moderate. I had people that I could talk to and say, you know, they were struggling. They were moms like myself and um, all different walks of life, but people who I could actually 
really confide in in how I felt and there was no shame. And that feeling of exactly. I'm not alone yeah. was everything to me. It was everything to know like I'm not the only one because I thought I was for so many years. I thought I was the only mom, Christian mom who, you know, was on the PTA and volunteered at church and drank too much wine. You know, it's embarrassing. I mean, I'll never yeah. forget like one time yeah. saying hello to people in church and and my husband said to me, um, he's like, you have wine on your breath, like afterwards. And I was like, oh my gosh. Like I was horrified, horrified, but yeah. it's embarrassing, but I wasn't the only one. I'm not the only woman showing up to events no. with wine on her breath, no. you know, <laughs> no. thinking how much, how much there's, gum do I need? Millions. To of, millions. Yeah. I mean, it's a huge relief, isn't it? When you can find people that you can relate to and you learn that they're, they've, they're struggling as well mm-hmm. because it's, it's a very lonely place if we try and mm-hmm. do this alone. And I just think it, it exacerbates, you know, that feeling that there's something wrong with me. Totally. You know, we have, uh, well, we have a membership and we do workshops and when we connect the people, you know, they're, obviously complete strangers from all over the world and yep. and within a day or two you know they're they're sharing their deepest secrets because they're just so happy to relate yep. to other people and and understand totally. that they're not alone and they 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 all um you know encourage each other it's it's totally wonderful. i mean it there, there's an expression that i really like uh, which is connection is the opposite of addiction and yes. i really believe that it's so true. Yeah. It's so true. I did not realize how powerful that connection is. So I would definitely encourage people to find a group, join your tribe, find the group. Yeah. Yeah. Find, find your yeah. people. Yeah. 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 And that there, there's so many groups these days. I mean, when I, I gave up, um, seven years ago Okay. and I had, I didn't know where to go. I was in South Africa, so I trotted off to AA because I didn't know where else to go. But, you know, it just, it wasn't my thing. It didn't work. You know, I had to keep searching and I ended up finding a workshop in in London where I'm from. And I went there and and I met other people like me, you know, I met women with good jobs, nice families that were drinking a bottle of wine every night and they wanted to stop. And once yep. you've realized you're not alone and you've met other people, you can, you can do it together. Yes. But yes. Uh, doing it it's alone so encouraging. Is, is dark mm-hmm. and lonely. Mm-hmm. Yeah. I agree. I agree. And it doesn't have to be, it does not have to be. It has been the best journey. The last, you know, 11 months has been the most amazing journey. And ha- I've built just great relationships with people who have just been such a support, such an encouragement. Let's go back to your three-week challenge. You, you did the challenge. You connected with other people. And then at the end of that challenge, did some of you decide to carry on? How, how did it all happen? Yes. And there's a number of us who are still connected and are still carrying on. We're all about, I forget how many of us, but there's several of us. And we communicate um, regularly um, and stay connected. Um, but we've, a lot of us have carried, not all of us, but um, many of us, I would say, have carried yeah. on. Yeah. So, or just at least become more mindful, even those who, who haven't maybe totally become alcohol free or whatever, at least just progress over perfection. You know, I don't feel like there's rules. It's like, you just need to be more mindful of it. And it it needs to be going in the right direction, you know, less rather than more. Yep. Yep. (laughs) You're not going to quit completely. (laughs) Yep. You're exactly right. So was it very difficult? I mean, you had this lovely group of people to talk to. Um, what other tools did you use? It definitely was 
difficult in the sense that if I didn't pre-plan and pre-decide what I was doing, like I'll never forget the first time going out. It was last January. It was some point during my my challenge, the first 21 days. And I remember going out to eat. And this was like kind of right when COVID was like, we we're finally able to like go out again and stuff. So I remember we went out to a restaurant and I asked the waitress for a, um, I said, oh, you know what? Everybody was ordering their drinks. And in my mind, I was like, okay, I'm going to ask for an alcoholic drink. And um, she was like, oh, we don't, we don't have anything, but I, I can make you a Shirley Temple. No, like, I don't want to drink Shirley. Te- like, I don't want to drink Shirley Temples the rest of my life. You know, I was so close to saying to her, like, I'll just have a glass of Chardonnay. I was so close. So just having those tools of like really pre-deciding, like I had already pre-decided I'm going to this dinner. We're going to go out with friends, my sister and her husband. And I don't want, I'm not drinking. I've already decided I'm not drinking. I'm playing the movie forward, how I want to feel tomorrow. I don't want to be driving home after a glass or two of wine thinking, what else do I have at home? Because it turns on, for me, it turns on that switch of like, what else is there? Where are we going now? <laughs> you know? <laughs> oh, me, me too. Me yeah. too. I, I, I always say to people, I feel like I've got a sleeping tiger inside me, you know, and one little glass of wine and it'll be all yeah yeah and (laughs) I wasn't always like that you know I wasn't I used to live in California and we'd go to Napa go wine tasting I'd bring home bottles of wine and they'd sit in my house for months I mean collecting dust yeah yeah that didn't happen impressive yeah (laughs) yeah I, I wish where did that girl go I don't know what happened to her she went through a lot of hard times in life I love your advice about playing the movie forward and planning, you know, because if, if you go out and you think, oh, I don't think I'll drink tonight, you know, then it all goes pear-shaped. You have to decide, I am not going to drink. And then, you know, I advise people to to ring up, the, you know, or mm-hmm. look online, where are they going, what's on the menu. Yes. And, you know, be very clear what they're going to drink because there are, there are a lot of alcohol-free drinks around these days. So, you know, most of us should be able to find a few favorites that are in bars you know, and if they're not, we can always take stuff with us. Yep. Um, you know, worst scenario, we just have sparkling water or something. But it's it is important to do exactly as you say and and plan. And also, I think in early sobriety, uh, we need to plan what we're going to say to people. Yeah. You know, it's highly annoying, but they always say, you know, why aren't you drinking? And it's uh, it's the only drug you have to justify not taking, as I'm sure so you sad. found out. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Yeah. yeah. And how did you deal with that? Did you have a nice uh, line? Uh, in the beginning, I just, oh, I'm just taking a break, taking a little break. And now, I mean, now yeah. I'm way more yeah. open that, you know, I just don't, I'm not even, I'm not embarrassed anymore about that I don't drink. In the beginning, I was yeah. embarrassed because I felt yeah. like if I tell people I don't drink, then they're going to be like, too. why don't, do you have a problem? You know, and I didn't want to get into the whole conversation. And they you know? do. <laughs> and, I, and I, and I do, but I wasn't ready to talk about it yet. And now I'm like, I'm so open. Yeah. Like, oh, I just, you know, no, I just choose not to drink. I choose not to. And I'm so thankful that I'm choosing not to drink. Yeah. Yeah. There's so many options now. Yeah. Yeah. And the bartenders, you know, they know they can make, they can make you something. They can just take out the alcohol and find you a good mocktail. Yeah. Or alcohol-free wine. There's tons of alcohol-free wines, tons of alcohol-free beers. So I like to drink personally. I'm a drinker. Like, I mean, literally I have, I drink, you know, in the morning, I have my tumbler that I drag around with me all day with my sparkling water and my lime juice. So to me, when I started my Instagram, it was really because I wanted to find things to drink. Cause I was like, I can't, can't go back to my wine. I need to find a replacement. Yeah. Yeah. 
Yeah. So I think our drink is also a lot of us. We're quite thirsty people. I am. <laughs> and that's I'm drinking maybe all why the time. we got into trouble with the wine. Yeah. <laughs> yeah me too. And are you? people yeah, I like, talk to. Yeah. Yeah. My husband can go yeah. all day and he'll come home and have water. And I'm like, did you drink anything since your coffee this morning? And he hasn't had anything all day. Me, I'm like drinking yeah. all day long. Yeah. So that's interesting. Yeah. 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 Like I'll be in the car, always have a drink it, with me. It is interesting. Yes. Yeah. Yeah, but definitely play the movie forward, plan what you're going to say and where you're going. And I, I like your kind of early sobriety reason when you said, I'm just taking a break. You know, we should. There's so many health kicks that people are on, aren't they? So, you know, I, I say to people, if you're really worried, you know, say you're you're on a health kick for mm-hmm. um, 66 days maybe and you're going to give up alcohol and sugar and gluten yep. or whatever, yep. you know. Nobody questions you when you no. say you're giving up gluten or sugar or anything, but you're exactly no. right. People no. will say, what? what do you mean you're giving up alcohol? How could you do that? Yeah. <laughs> you're not going to have any fun. I know. But- you're listening to a podcast from Tribe Sober. If you'd like to join our warm and welcoming community, just head on over to tribesober.com and hit the membership tab. That's www.tribesober.com. We don't um, say to vegetarians, oh, go on, just have one steak, do we? Yeah. No, no, <laughs> we no, we support them. them. Yeah, yeah, yeah. I think that I definitely feel like it's changing. I feel like the culture is changing. It is, it is. It feels that way. I don't yeah. know. I mean, you've been you've been in the alcohol-free zone, you know, six years longer than I have, so. Well, I was just saying, wasn't I? First of all, there was nowhere to go apart from AA. You had to really mm-hmm. hunt around. And, you know, secondly, there was nothing to drink. Um, yeah. when you went out you know I used to have to have water or coke and it mm-hmm. used to just make me feel even more sorry for myself and yeah. grumpy you know in those yeah. early days it, yep. it's not not easy so yep. yeah I do think uh, I do think it's changing and uh, the sober curious movement as well I think that's uh, that's great I don't know if you've read that book by Ruby Warrington it's called sober curious I haven't and uh, it's you know there's a bit of a hashtag sober curious and the sober curious people you know they want to see what their life is like without alcohol they don't really have a problem a lot of people that are sober curious mm-hmm. but they're questioning their relationship with alcohol and I think that's brilliant Definitely. and a lot of younger people they don't drink you're coming up for your first soberversary so many congratulations Thank you. and you, you've already said several times that you feel fantastic and you look fantastic if I may say so Thank you talk to us about the main benefits oh my gosh my sleep is a million times better. I don't have a headache every day. <laughs> I've definitely, I've lost weight because I would drink wine at night. And then for me, it turned on the eating. I want to eat, you know, so I would eat an extra thousand calories between, you know, 10 PM and 1 AM, you know, and find wrappers like who ate this, you know, Oh, that would be me. So I haven't found any wrappers. So that's nice <laughs> in the garbage. Good, good. Yeah. Yeah, just and just that feeling. Tr- I truly mean like a feeling of freedom because I don't feel that shame. So that has been, I would say, one of the biggest benefits of becoming alcohol free is the freedom. Wonderful. Like me, you're a breast cancer survivor. So so let's talk a little bit about breast cancer. Yeah. Um, yeah. Just to tell you about mine very quickly. Yeah, I, I had know. it uh, 15 years ago. 
Okay. 15 years ago, I didn't have a lump. Uh, none of my family have ever had breast cancer. Same. And uh, I just trotted along for a routine mammogram. And you know, it was I was in hospital having a mastectomy a few days later. It was oh, wow. a horrific wow. surprise. Oh, wow. wow. And it was that that kind of hormone-related uh, breast mm-hmm. cancer, so the estrogen, which, you know, we know. Same. Yeah, yeah. How how interesting is that? It is interesting, yep. So, um, yeah, so I know, I know that you didn't have a lump because I heard you saying uh, on mm-hmm. on a, a podcast interview. So I guess I wanted to raise this. I mean, this isn't a podcast about breast cancer no, at but all. it's a really important topic. I just, I was so ignorant, you know, Mm. certainly 15 years ago. I had no idea there was any link between alcohol and breast cancer. And even when I went through mastectomy, chemotherapy, radiotherapy, Mm. I still didn't think about alcohol. I didn't, you know, didn't enter my my thoughts at all. But I did say to my oncologist uh, at the end of my treatment, I said, have you got any recommendations, you know, about Mm. my diet? Should I eat? you know, certain things and and should I give up alcohol? I remember saying very nervously. Yeah, yeah, and, please don't uh, say yes. Yeah. You know, although <laughs> I loved my wine, but I was so, you know what it's like, I was so scared and yeah. miserable after that year of treatment that I would have done anything to stop this mm. thing coming back. I think I would have been able to give up because I had such a motivator. Mm. But he said, no, no, he said, uh, nothing wrong with a bit of wine. You, you've come through a difficult period. You go away mm. and enjoy yourself. You know, mm. so I did. So that yeah. was another decade of drinking. <laughs> yeah. Did you get any advice yeah. to, because you obviously, uh, it was five years ago. It was five it? years ago. So yeah. I just later. had my five year, just had my five year. Um, I did get advice oh, well to, not drink, to not drink as much. Um, did so you? I, mm-hmm, and I didn't listen. No, I was like, Oh no, 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 yeah. no, I can't stop drinking my wine. How am I going to get through this? I mean, I, I had, um, same as you had a routine mammogram, was diagnosed, um, had a double mastectomy, and then did chemotherapy. And I mean, chemotherapy was once every three, it was every three weeks. So, you know, that first yeah, week, t- 10, 10 days, I felt miserable. And then I would drink again before my next chemotherapy session. So I don't know if you were, you probably didn't drink during chemo. I did. I was like, no, um, I feel, I felt better. So I was like, well, I feel better. Now I can, you know, just have an evening at home. Like I normally have, I wanted to have my, my wine again. Yeah. So, oh yeah. I mean, I'm, I was sad to say all the time. Yeah. I did swap to red wine. Cause I, I'd read in a magazine. It was good for you. It's better for you. Yes. <laughs> yes. Drink the red. Yes. Uh-huh. Yeah. Well, I believe the same thing too. Yeah. No, I, I definitely, um, yeah. was told, I forget what my, my oncologist, I forget how much he told me I, I could have like, you know, I think it maybe he said two glasses a week or something was like what I could have. And yeah, I was yeah, like, yeah, well, he's oh, he's right because sure. if you have more than that, I just I just mm-hmm. looked at the stats and uh, if you have uh, more than three small glasses of wine a week, not a night, a week, uh, you raise your risk of breast cancer by fifteen percent. You know? Wow! And there, there wow. I was with my bottle a night for decades. You know, so yeah. it's yeah. it's not I'm a sure. surprise at all. I'm sure I brought it right on myself. Yeah, I'm sure. But I, I am encouraged, Deb, though, uh, that your doctor 
mentioned alcohol. So I think, you know, times mm -hmm. are changing. Because what, what's shocking about this is it's it's been known since 1988 that mm -hmm. there's a link between alcohol and cancer. The World mm -hmm. Health Organization put out a report. But, you know, it's, it's not in the public domain enough. I mean, now it's improving slightly. But for, for decades, you know, there was nothing about cancer and drinking. And now they've proved that it's linked to seven different types of cancer. Wow. So, wow. Uh, you know, it's serious. So I guess Definitely. I just wanted to raise this um, subject because I want to say to women listening to this, first of all, you know, don't rely on having a lump to alert yes. you to a problem. Make sure you have your regular tests. Yep. Because, you know, if we hadn't had our regular tests, we might not be here chatting. Yep. Today. My mammogram definitely saved my life. Um, and I, the second thing I want to say is, you know, be aware there is a link where we are, we put ourselves at risk of breast cancer and other cancers as well if we drink a lot. Definitely. So uh, I'll stop preaching now. No, I just no, I think keep going. You... <laughs> I think it's very good. Yes, it's, yeah, yeah it's not put out there enough. I just yeah. want, I want women to know. Yeah, yeah. Um, my next question was going to be about alcohol so normalized for so many years, but uh, I, I sense there is a bit of a societal shift going on now towards sobriety, and, and you mentioned that you, you felt that. Definitely, definitely. I'm very encouraged by it. I mean, I've, yeah, I've had more fun just, you know, meeting people who are either sober curious or alcohol free, however you want to call it, or sober, whatever you want to call it, or just testing the waters. Very encouraging. I mean, all these people, all these people on Instagram, it's it's great. I mean, that's, uh -huh. that's how I found you. And did you know uh, that there's a, a wonderful magazine that's come out? It's called Hola, which is Spanish for hello, as I'm sure you know. Hola yep. Sober. Yes. Uh, have you seen yes, it? Yes, I have. Isn't it amazing? It's fabulous. It's, they, you were featured in there, right? Was it last, this month or last month? I was actually yes, yeah. Because uh, I I had Susan Christina, the editor, on my podcast, and then okay. uh, you know she put put an interview in of That's me. But awesome. I just love that magazine, and it's I wonderful. think it's you know it's going to make sobriety as as glamorous as we thought drinking was, isn't it? She's yep. she's just got a lot of style, and she's putting her all into this. Totally. I mean, it's a hundred page magazine, isn't it? Full it's of like mocktails and lovely yep. articles. Yeah, yeah. Yep, and I love the book. way when you have it on the desktop, it makes that lovely noise, you know, when you go to the next page. It's like the, the flip, <laughs> it's, the flip book. It's called yes. a, a flip book. <laughs> you also. like the sound? That's so cute. <laughs> yeah, I just wanted to make sure you know about that. And anyone yes, listening, I'll, yes, I'll put, everybody knows uh, I'll about, put a yes. link to Olaf the Sober feature. But uh, yeah, 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 no, she because she lives in in Madrid. She's an Irish lady, but she lives in Madrid. So oh, that's, that's awesome! Why she calls it Ola. Ola, Ola sober. I love that. Okay, mocktail mom. It's time we talked about the mocktails. Uh oh. <laughs> I mean, you do an amazing. Uh, it's uh, correct me if I'm wrong, but I think it's an Instagram live on yes. Monday evenings your time, and you yes. make an. A mocktail sometimes with your lovely daughters there don't you or sometimes you do a live with another guest yeah, and yep. it's great so so tell me how that all started and and how it's going um so when I first stopped drinking alcohol I needed an outlet to share the drinks I was finding and just 
it was almost like a journal for me starting. It was my Instagram is mocktail.mom. And it was almost like a journal of just like, I felt it was very cathartic to post. It was cathartic to meet other people, um, to connect with other people who were sober um, or were sober curious. So I started it and then I just started making videos about mocktails that I was making. I mean, literally, I'm, I don't know anything about mocktails. I don't know anything about, I'm not a bartender, cocktails or whatever, but I just wanted to figure out what can I drink that I will enjoy, you know, cause I felt like I, I enjoy, I was, I was starting to enjoy, I wanted to enjoy being sober. I didn't want to suffer. I did not want this to be drudgery. It was like, my life is fun. No. I'm having a good time in life and I want to keep having a good time. So I started my Instagram kind of as a, almost like a journal just to post videos of drinks and stuff. And then my daughter who, my one daughter's in college, so she doesn't live here right now. My younger daughter, Lily will come in my videos sometimes. She's, she's got a good palate. She'll taste things. She's like, mm, I taste a little bit too much of the ginger. You know, she's, she's really like discerning <laughs> in her evaluations. Um, and then in the summer, I just thought, you know, I want to have some kind of like a regular schedule. So every Monday night, I have a 9 p.m. East Coast time. Um, I do a make, I call it making friends and mocktails. And it was just an idea to, I love to make friends. Like I don't like to collect stuff. I have, I, not to say that I don't have stuff. I have stuff, but I'm not a minimalist. That's for sure. But, you know, my favorite thing to collect are friends. And so I wanted to make friends and also make a mocktail. So Monday nights is called Making Friends and Mocktails. It's an Instagram live. Normally, the people I go live with is somebody I've never met in person. I think only, I think only one per, one of my guests since June has been somebody that I actually know. My hairdresser came on once, so she made a mocktail with me. <laughs> we had fun, but um, yeah. So every Monday night we make a mocktail and we just chat about life and you know, either being alcohol free or just kind of whatever's going on. But typically we talk about, you know, being alcohol free and, and we usually make a different drink each Well, we always make a different drink each Monday night. So, um, yeah, and I even had, I've had other, I've had other, you know, live events and stuff. I had, um, a wine an alcohol free winery on with me and we did a wine tasting and it was awesome. He sent me four bottles of wine and then he walked everybody through, you know, the different, you know, the different wines, the different alcohol-free wines. It was just fantastic. People love, like, I got so, so much great feedback about that. It's been wonderful. It's been sure, wonderful I'm to sure. connect, to connect with people and to share everybody, people's different yeah. journeys. Like just what you're doing with your podcast, same thing. Just so wonderful to yeah. share, like you're not I alone. I love, uh, yeah, I love working in the recovery space and you just mm. meet so such interesting people, don't you? And, and mm -hmm. they immediately start Telling you everything. Everything. Yes, yes, right. exactly. Everything. <laughs> everything, yeah. It's very nice. So your your mocktails, you create them. You decide no, I mean, what you're going to put in? Honestly, a lot in, of times or? they're recipes. So like um, ritual. Like, okay. Uh, um, so like, I'll, like the one we made last night was a recipe from Ritual's Instagram feed. A lot of times they'll post stuff and I'm like, oh, I love that one. So, I mean, I'll always give credit, you know, to whoever it's from. Um, I also use a book called Mocktail Party, um, and the girls who wrote that are, what's their Instagram handle? It's Sober Curious Dietitians, but I've used their recipe book for a lot of the Monday nights, so I always, um, okay. you know, tag them on it and um, send people to their Instagram to buy the, it's a mock, it's called Mocktail Party, but it's a great, great, great book, and they're all plant-based um, mocktails, so healthier. Every Saturday afternoon, we open up our Tribe Sober Zoom Cafe. 
It's a safe space where our members can connect, check in, and just shoot the breeze about alcohol-free living. If you'd like to be a guest at the cafe one Saturday, just drop us an email at Janet at TribeSober.com. That's Janet, J-A-N-E-T, at TribeSober.com, and we'll send you an invitation. If there's someone listening to this, Deb, that is where you were a couple of years ago, where I was a while ago, mm. and they, they know they've got to make a change, they know they're in trouble, but they just mm. don't know how to start, where to start, what to do. And they think, just like you, I think we all feel, don't we, at the beginning, oh, I'm just going to fail and then everybody will laugh at me and I'll feel even worse about myself. Yep. Any advice for someone like that? I think... Um, I mean, kind of like what we talked about a little bit, just find a group, you know, join, um, you know, tribe sober, find a group, find or find whatever works for you, you know, whatever group that is. I know like A does work for some people. It's not something I went to. Yeah, yeah. Um, but there's like you were saying, there's so many online groups. There's so many memberships to get plugged into. And I think like, like you said, you know, connection is the antidote to addiction finding your group, finding your tribe, when you're on the other side of it, like when you're, when you haven't started yet, or you're in that place of shame, you just cannot imagine that there are people who really will get you. There are people who will really love you for exactly who you are and they will understand you and they will walk you through it because it's hard. Sorry, I'm getting emotional because it's really hard and you think you're alone, Mm -hmm. but you're not, you are not. There are millions of yeah. us who are yeah. just normal PTA moms. Absolutely. You know, stopping yeah. at the wine shop on the way home. And I think, you know, even if you don't want to stop immediately, you know, join mm-hmm. a group and just hang out in in yeah. the, you know, social media, wherever they chat and just yep. listen, you know, yep. and listen to how people are, you yeah. know, making progress and, and read, you know, the quitlet, listen to the podcast yep. and, you know, treat it as a project. Just educate yourself first, I think. And then, Absolutely. you know, the more we learn about alcohol and, and what it does, you know, the less we feel like drinking it, I think. Yeah, that's yeah. very true. So very um, true. I did follow some people like before I became alcohol free. So it was in 2020 when I was, 2020 came and I was like, when we had the lockdowns, I was, or, you know, the quarantine, I was like, oh, as long as I have wine, I'll be fine. You know, I was like, I mean, I didn't care about (laughs) Clorox wipes. I didn't care about toilet paper. I was like, as long as we have wine in this house, I'll be fine. But um, all that to say at the end of that, you know, it was like, I, I did not realize how much better I would feel. Yeah. Well, that's, that's been so interesting. And I love what you you said about you know that as the benefits come in, we it gets easier and easier to keep going because we realise there is something on the other side of this. And 100%. when when you're in very early sobriety and you're really struggling, you think, oh, you know, I can't do this. It's it's miserable. I don't want to live like this. But people just have to keep going, do the 100%. work, 100%. and everything changes. Yeah. Yeah. I meet people, you know, like yourself and lots of sober people doing this podcast. And I've never come across anyone that says to me, oh, I wish I hadn't stopped drinking. Absolutely. <laughs> Everyone's always so Everybody's full of like, the I'm joy. The thrilled, joy. So thrilled. And what I was going to say, I, did, I totally lost my train of thought thing about 2020. But when, in 2020, I started following like, the advice that you're giving is so true. Just follow some people on Instagram or listen to yeah, some podcasts. There yeah. were some, I, I'll never forget. There's a woman that I follow. She's just a mom. She's got three boys. She's, she's British. 
And um, she was so open about that she wasn't drinking wine, that she wasn't drinking anymore. You know, it was, there was, I was so interested in it because she wasn't saying, you know, I'm an alcoholic. It was just, she was just being open that I'm not drinking wine anymore. And I, that encouraged me so yeah, much. Yeah. So yeah, yeah. Yeah. Find people, find yeah. people to follow. Yeah. Because uh, my, my latest podcast, actually, the one that came out on Saturday with um, mm-hmm. a lady that runs the sober school, she's called Kate. And she was, you know, emphasizing that society thinks we're either a normal drinker or we're a raging alcoholic and there's nothing in between. True. And my it's point so is that there, most people are in between these so true. millions yep. of us. Yep. Yep. Yeah. I thought like if I have so, a problem, then I'd yeah. be drinking out of a bottle, you know, drinking out of a paper bag on the yeah. bench, you know, no. Okay. Deb, well, it's been a pleasure chatting to you. So so let's finish off by hearing what's next for you and how people can contact you. What's what's in the pipeline for Mocktail Mom? Okay, so in the pipeline is this coming year, I'm launching a mocktail box. Um, you can contact me at mocktail.mom. That's my Instagram handle. My website's coming out. It's going to be mocktailmom.com. That's coming very, very, very soon, probably by the time this podcast comes out, fingers crossed. And then I am coming out with a mini course mocktail series. So I'm excited for that in 2022. That's what's happening. And then I'm on Instagram doing lives on Monday nights at 9pm Eastern time. And love to connect with new friends. So there you heard me talking to Deb, also known as Mocktail Mom. There were so many insights in that conversation, so I'm going to pull out just a few. Like many of us, Deb had done lots of challenges. And in fact, we chatted about the value of short challenges and agreed that sometimes they can be counterproductive. 30 days is not quite long enough to experience the real benefits of sobriety, so we're actually doing the hard bit again and again. And in the process, our subconscious is registering that sobriety is difficult and not much fun. But please don't let that put you off from doing our January challenge. It's a great way to dip your toe in the waters of sobriety and connect with other sober curious people. And what usually happens is that some people decide to keep going for longer. So check it out by going to tribesober.com and tapping January Challenge 2022. Deb didn't start drinking heavily until she turned 40, and she was using it to cope with some major life challenges. This is a pattern that I'm beginning to notice with some of the people I meet these days. Rather than drinking socially in their 20s and 30s and gradually becoming dependent in midlife, which is what happened to me, they hardly drank much at all until they reached their 40s or 50s, and then they were using it to cope with difficult times. People who do take up drinking later in life tend to hit it hard, and within a decade, Deb's drinking had escalated to a level that worried her. She felt a lot of shame about her drinking. She felt like she was driving a car with a trailer lagging behind it, the trailer of shame. And what motivated her to finally take action was the prospect of her 50th birthday. She had the blues and she decided she was just not living the life she was meant to be living. So she signed up for another challenge, but this time something was different. When she actually signed up for that challenge, she was still lacking in confidence. 
So much so that she didn't tell anyone she was doing the challenge. She was so convinced she would fail. But this time it was different. This time she connected with other people who were doing the challenge. She felt less alone. As previously, she suspected she may be the only person with this kind of problem. Deb had finally found her people. And sure enough, a group of those challengers decided to keep going when they got to the end of the 30 days. This is the way to do it, step by step. Avoid the F word, the forever word. It's just too scary when we're at the beginning of this journey. Step by step is the way to go. And we've got so many examples of people who've signed up for Sober Spring or our January challenge in the past, and then they've extended it gradually, first to 100 days, and then to six months, and then to a year. And here's the thing, once you've got to a year of sobriety, you feel so different physically and mentally, you just won't want to go back to drinking. You'll be experiencing so many benefits that they'll motivate you to carry on, and it will become effortless, the new normal. Because rather than your motivation coming from external forces, for example, your doctor, your family, a challenge, Your motivation will be coming from within, a much more powerful place. As she began her journey, Deb learned the importance of planning. She would check in advance what drinks they were serving at the venue so she could decide what to drink, and she would decide what she was going to say to people. She would play the movie forward, which is one of our favourite tools here at Tribe Sober. We agreed that we felt embarrassed and awkward at first, having to explain why we weren't drinking. But that passes with time. And Deb now just says, I choose not to drink. And we also agreed that I'm just taking a break is a good one. Another advantage of doing the January challenge. You just say, I'm doing the January challenge. I'm not drinking this month. And if you do our challenge, you'll be raising money for charity as well. So you can drop that one in. I think we need to remember that although alcohol is the only drug we have to justify not taking, it's not really our responsibility to make other people feel comfortable about their drinking. We must do what's right for us. And the people that do give us a hard time are usually the people that have an issue with their drinking themselves. We agreed on the importance of not even contemplating having one drink. As Deb put it, for her, that would be like turning a switch on and she'd be off looking for the party. Deb is in the US, I'm in South Africa, and we're both noticing that there's a bit of a societal shift towards sobriety these days. The Sober Curious movement is gaining momentum. It enables people who don't even have a problem with alcohol to see what their lives could be like without alcohol, to experiment a bit. And of course, it's so much lighter to say, I'm sober curious, rather than, I have a problem with my drinking. Deb listed her benefits, which include better sleep, no more headaches, no more shame, she's lost weight, and most important of all, she feels a real sense of freedom. I asked her for some tips for anyone listening who knows they need to make a change, but is not quite ready to dive in yet. Her advice is to join some groups and just listen and learn. And some of you may be doing just that as you listen to this podcast. So your next step might be to join our January challenge. 
Use it to check your level of dependence. Just be a bit sober curious. Go to tribesober.com and hit January Challenge for more info. Now, another fairly compelling reason to quit drinking that we don't talk about very much is that it will actually reduce your risk of breast cancer. Now, Deb and I are both breast cancer survivors, as are many people in our community. We chatted about the fact that the evidence is stacking up these days, linking alcohol consumption to breast cancer, as well as many other cancers. We both had hormone receptor positive breast cancer, and research shows us that alcohol increases that risk because alcohol increases the levels of estrogen and other hormones in our bodies. Compared to women who don't drink at all, women who have just three alcohol drinks a week have a 15% higher risk of breast cancer. And experts estimate that the risk of breast cancer goes up another 10% for each additional drink women regularly have each day. So dramatically reducing our risk of breast cancer is one benefit of sobriety we don't talk about enough. That's why I wanted to highlight it in this podcast. On a lighter note, Deb started her Making Friends and Mocktail sessions on Instagram because she wanted to show that we can all have fun in sobriety. You can follow her on Mocktail Bomb on Instagram. Her live sessions are Monday at 9pm Eastern Time. She's also bringing out a mocktail box and a mocktail course soon. So well done, Deb, and thanks for showing us what fun Making Friends and Mocktails can be. Now it's time to open my phone and go to the first member message that inspires me. This week I chose a message from new member Jan. Hi everyone, tomorrow will be three weeks. It's been going well. I had a dinner last night when I usually would have finished a bottle of wine and maybe a few glasses of champagne as well. I've been trying to talk to my friends about sobriety, explaining that 20% of people who drink for extended periods will become dependent. But I can see they don't actually see it like that. It's because they label people in that extreme, homeless person, alcoholic way. Indeed, Jan, society seems to label us as normal drinkers or raging alcoholics. But here at Tribe Sober, we don't sit in either of those boxes. We're simply people who used to drink too much, and now we don't. We're people who refuse to go with the flow. We are the rebels, not the sheep. We are people who got smart, people who can see through the BS of all the marketing. We are people who decided to finally unplug from the matrix. So if you're ready to unplug from the matrix and take a break from the booze, then why not start with our annual fundraiser? It's open now and will remain open till the end of January and will support you through an alcohol-free month. In exchange for a small donation to a good cause, we provide 30 days of online and community support. So whether you want a bit of extra support to get you through the festive season or want to do a more traditional dry January, just check it out. Tribesober.com January Challenge. Our challenges are such a great way to dip your toe in the waters of sobriety and take a little break. So that's it from me. Thanks for listening. Please follow and share the podcast and even leave us a review if you have a moment. I'll be back next week. 
Ditching the drink is like climbing a mountain. It's hard, it takes courage and grit, and an experienced guide. And that's where we come in. Here at Tribe Sober, we've climbed that mountain, and we know the view from the top is amazing. We've used our experience to put together a unique membership program that will support you all the way. We've got challenges, chat rooms, sober buddies, trackers, and milestone awards, and that's just for starters. So head on over to tribesober.com and check out our membership program. It's the essential resource for anyone looking to ditch the drink and change their life.